Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Yeah, totally agree. Stage crew, stage crew. Good morning, good morning. Welcome everyone to Washington Ethical Society's virtual platform. Uh, please say hello in the chat as you're entering. If you're visiting from another ethical society, please give a shout out to that as well. We'd love to know where our folks are visiting with us from. Good morning, Trang and Vincent and Shirley and Jeff. So great to have you all with us. If you wanna share your messages with everyone, please be sure that your chat settings are for all panelists and attendees. Good morning, Paul and Patty. Good morning, Susan. Oh, on our way back to Maryland in a week. Yay, we're so excited that you're coming home to us. Good morning, Leanne and Brian and Adam and Tim. Great to see you this morning. Good morning, Donna. It is so delightful to have new friends and old friends and visitors and members all here together this morning. Again, welcome. Please say hello in the chat. Good morning, Mark. If you're visiting, give us a shout out to let us know where you're coming from. Love to know how far. Good morning, Christian, Christine. Sorry, I need to, I realized I need to see the names a little better. There we go. And Perry, good morning, Perry B. <laughs> this is a great time for those who already arrived until we formally get going in just a moment to get a candle to light during our candle lighting. And then you can settle into your comfortable seat with your beverage of choice as we continue to gather. And we'll begin in just probably one more minute as we let folks come into the room and into our shared space together. Again, welcome all. Feel free to say hello in the chat. We are delighted to be together. <clears throat> Excuse me. Our opening words this morning are from Alex Capitan and Rev. Michael Slack. Beloved community is when we say we, and we mean everyone. Beloved community is not homogenous. It can't be. When community is presumed, when we make assumptions about who is present and whether the people are like us or not, we're not practicing beloved community because beloved community doesn't make those assumptions. It doesn't presume commonality. Another thing that beloved community is not, beloved community is not like-minded because we're not called to be like-minded in spiritual community. We're called to be like-hearted. And finally, beloved community is not devoid of conflict. And this one is also really hard. There's nothing easy about practicing beloved community. 
When we avoid conflict in order to get along, we're not practicing beloved community because beloved community exists when we trust each other, we have strong enough relationships to actually disagree with each other, to be in conflict, even to risk hurting each other. And we can stay in relationship through those disagreements and conflict and potential hurt. That's practicing beloved community. We begin today's platform with music from the Neighborhood Spirit Choir.
Well, what a great way to sail into our day together. Good morning again, and welcome to the Washington Ethical Society. I'm Karen Schofield Lega. My pronouns are per and pers, short for person, and I'm the officiant this morning. Visitors from near and far, we especially welcome you. We hope that you'll say hello in the chat and that you might send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, at M-A-C-E-O-T at ethicalsociety.org. You can also fill out a connection form and I think Maceo will probably drop that link into the chat and it will show up later in our morning time as well. And we hope you will join us after the platform service for a chance to say hello during virtual coffee hour. Our chat will stay open through much of the platform service, um, closing for the address itself and then reopening. So if you don't want to see the chat, this is a good time to minimize it. And closed captioning is also available and you can turn that on or off as you prefer. So most weeks, one of our community members reads our statement of purpose so that we might hear our shared values and each other's voices. And if you're interested in taking a turn to read the statement of purpose, you can sign up at tiny.cc slash read SOP. This week, it's just me. But here are the words that were just reaffirmed by a vote of the congregation at last Sunday's membership meeting. The Washington Ethical Society is a humanistic congregation that affirms the worth of every person. We strive through our relationships to elicit the best in the human spirit. With faith and human goodness, we appreciate each person's unique capacities. We joyfully celebrate together and support each other through life. We nurture a sense of reverence and responsibility for each other and the earth. We warmly invite you to join our community of children and adults as we work for a world where love and justice cross all borders. If you have a candle at home, I invite you to light it now as I share our candle lighting words. May we kindle within us the warmth of compassion, the light of understanding, and the fire of commitment to build a brighter future for all. Each week we ring a chime in solidarity with people around the world. Today in the midst of Pride Month, I am particularly mindful 
that it has been five years since the terrible mass shooting at the Pulse nightclub in Orlando that left 49 dead and 53 injured. It's a stark reminder of the crucial work that remains to reduce gun violence and to ensure the safety of the LGBTQ community. May we hold all in our hearts so that all may thrive and live full lives. As we listen to the chime, let us remember our connection to each other and the world around us. Let us hold in our hearts all that hurts in the world. And let us commit ourselves to all that calls for our work and our love. As we enter into a time of meditation, adjust your posture so that you are sitting in ease. You may wish to close your eyes or soften your gaze. Take a deep, deep breath. Hold it for a moment and then release it. Let your thoughts still so that you have some inward quiet and spaciousness. Continue to breathe in and out evenly and fully. My imagination is stimulated by Marla Scharf of First Unitarian Church of San Jose, California, who says, in my vision of a beloved community, I see a dazzling, light-filled, breathtakingly beautiful mosaic, a gigantic, all-encompassing mosaic where each of us can see, can really see, and deeply appreciate each piece. We know that each piece is of immeasurable value. We know that each piece is part of a larger whole, a larger whole that would not be whole, indeed would not even be without each piece shining through and being seen and appreciated as its unique self. So which beautiful piece are you? Now envision the people closest to you. What beauty does each person bring to the mosaic of your life? And what about the folks in your various communities, family, neighborhood, school, workplace, Wes, how well are their pieces seen and appreciated? 
we continue our meditation in silence on the music that follows. begin the platform address, I'd like to share a lesson from forest ecologist Susan Simard, found in a New York Times interview by Ferris Jabber entitled, The Social Life of Forests. Foresters typically regard trees as solitary individuals that competed for space and resources and were otherwise indifferent to one another. Simard and her peers have demonstrated that this framework is far too simplistic. An old growth forest is neither an assemblage of stoic organisms tolerating one another's presence, 
nor a merciless battle royale. Rather, it's a vast, ancient, and intricate society. There is conflict in a forest, but there is also negotiation, reciprocity, and perhaps even selflessness. The trees, understory plants, fungi, and microbes in a forest are so thoroughly connected, communicative, and codependent that some scientists have described them as superorganisms. Together, these symbiotic partners knit Earth's soils into, neatly, into nearly contiguous living networks of unfathomable scale and complexity. In nature, when two plants are planted close together, their roots can become commingled and improve the quality of the soil such that both plants will thrive more than if they were separated. So too in a human community where integrated efforts enhance our environment and culture. Everyone grows more than they would by themselves. So ends the reading. Our speaker today is Amy Vruno. An attorney, Amy has worked for community justice for nearly 20 years and serves as the lead organizer for the Washington Interfaith Network, or WIN. WIN is a broad-based, multiracial, multifamily, strictly nonpartisan, district-wide citizens power organization rooted in local congregations and associations. Wynn is committed to training and developing neighborhood leaders, to addressing community issues, and to holding elected and corporate officials accountable in Washington, DC. Wynn's 48 dues paying members, which includes Washington Ethical Society, represent more than 25,000 families in every section of the district and reflect its theological, racial, geographic, and economic diversity. Wynn's organizing is perhaps best understood from the bottom up. The base of the organization is the hundreds of leaders building and maintaining strong relationships with each other and with their neighbors through the institutions important in their lives, congregation, synagogue, mosque, school, union, business association, athletic club, community health center, or other voluntary association. Wynn seeks to create long-term power through a broad and united front of organized institutions, organized people, and organized money, acting consistently and persistently for change on multiple issues at the neighborhood, regional, and citywide levels. Wynn engages leaders across the divides of race, culture, income, faith, and neighborhood in order to initiate public action on the issues like affordable housing, public safety, youth, and to partner with and hold the government and corporate sectors accountable for addressing these issues. We are so delighted that Amy is joining us today to describe how WIN builds this community solidarity. Amy, welcome. Good morning and happy Pride everyone. Um, today I'll focus um, together on solidarity. I've been an organizer for nearly two decades, um, working with people to build more power together to shape the world. It's been a meaningful life. Um, it's full of stories that often sound like the setup to a bad joke. A priest and a mom, a rabbi and a West member walk into a bar, I, I mean, the district building. Um, my job as an organizer is to ask people from all walks of life 
do you want to be on the sidelines of history or do you want to get in the arena and make some history? And then I warn folks, Theodore Roosevelt, what, what he said was right. It's messy in the arena. Your face is going to get sweaty. You'll get dirty, but it's still going to be a whole lot of fun. I, I can assure you. Um, and if you act alone, you're going to lose. So my job is also to ask, who do you want to get in the arena with? When you look to your left and to your right, when you're in the mix, in the struggle, who do you want to be shoulder to shoulder with in solidarity? This year um, in one-on-ones and small group Zoom rooms, I've heard a growing desire from people who want to figure out how to get in the mix and act in solidarity. The urge sounds louder than ever before. Perhaps it's because the pandemic has exposed our interdependence and also brutal inequalities. And it's reinforced the truth that the health of my family depends on the health of your family. Um, and in some ways, social distancing has reignited a longing for community. The murder of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and the Black Lives Matter demonstrations have also emboldened more people, including more white people, to search for ways not just to read about racism, but to act to be anti-racist. And when someone who shall go unnamed, tear gassed and removed demonstrators to hold up a Bible, that was another moment that sparked in some a desire to learn how to effectively build relational power to be able to effectively confront that kind of dominant power. Wes, I know there's probably someone out here today listening this morning who this year has felt a gnawing urge to get off the sidelines. But maybe you're overwhelmed about how to get started. You might be asking, in a country and even a district of Columbia so segregated, how can I get started building real, authentic relationships of solidarity? So today I offer you four easy steps. One, know yourself. Two, show yourself. Three, listen. And four, act along with others. So what's solidarity? The Oxford English Dictionary defines solidarity as unity or agreement of feeling or action, especially among individuals with common interest. Another definition is mutual support within a group. So this means that solidarity requires you to understand your own interest and the interests of others, come to some sort of agreement with one another, and then act to support one another. So the first step is knowing yourself and showing yourself. The quote from Lilla Watson is instructive. Say it with me at home um, if you've memorized it. If you've come here to help me, you're wasting your time. But if you've come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let's work together. Name the liberation you seek for yourself. I learned this as a 20-something legal service attorney seeking to help injured workers. 
Black Washingtonians who are battling an unjust workers' compensation system. And let me tell you, most everyone was suspicious of my help. Who the heck are you? Why do you care? What are you getting out of this? Thinking back, it felt awkward to answer. As a white Ivy League educated lawyer, I had privilege. How dare I center myself? So I answered in abstract platitudes about justice and equality and democracy and blah, 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 blah. To which folks often responded, or, huh. Before I could enter into a relationship of solidarity, I had to grapple with myself. As James Baldwin wrote, white people in this country will have quite enough to do in learning to how to accept and love themselves and each other. And when they've achieved this, which will not be tomorrow and may very well be never, the Negro problem will no longer exist for it will no longer be needed. So I began to level with myself and began to tell the truth. I began to tell folks, my dad was a construction worker who busted his knee on the job. He battled with the workers' compensation system. And if I'm honest, I'm channeling some of that anger I feel about the injustice he faced into this work. And I felt powerless as a kid to see my dad struggle. And I wanna feel some power to do something now. So I wanna build power. Do you wanna build power together? When I started to show myself, I more often heard, Amy, you're all right. I can work with you. Over the last decade, 20,000 Black Washingtonians have been priced out of the district. At the same time, 100,000 new, younger, whiter residents migrated here. Tensions in the city are palpable. Wynn convened dozens of listening sessions with young adults, half from DC and half new residents to show themselves to one another and to listen to one another. So there was a lot of sitting around a circle in a church basement. At one meeting, a young white man from Ohio turned to a black man from Washington who was sitting next to him in a folding chair. He said, I know my presence has increased housing prices and pushed people out. And I don't wanna be a part of that. But the factories closed in Ohio. So I came to DC so I could find a job. And me and my roommates are crowded seven to a row home to be able to afford the rent. One of my roommates bed is stuffed in a closet. With our student loans, we probably won't ever be able to live on our own. I'm almost 30 years old. I'd like to have my own place. A native Washingtonian um, that was sitting next to him looked at him and said, when I see you walk in that house, it hurts. It's not personal, but I remember the guys I grew up with who used to live there. And sometimes I remember them walking up the stairs and then I see you. And everyone on this block grew up together and we all knew each other and we'd always say hi. Now there's so many white people around, they just walk by with their headphones on and don't even acknowledge my existence. A white woman across the circle piped up. 
You know, politicians are pandering to me, thinking all I want is a hot brunch spot and some generic chain stores. They don't know me. How boring if everyone in my neighborhood looked like me. I want to live in a beloved community, and I'm willing to fight to keep Washington diverse. Folks looked around this circle and realized that together they just might have power to win something better. Together, they have contributed to victories like the mayor putting $400 million in the Housing Production Trust Fund a couple of weeks ago. Victories are possible, but as we seek to act together, we must be wise about those who seek to divide us. Heather McVee and her brilliant book, The Sum of Us, writes about the zero-sum thinking by some in American politics. The idea that any gains by another group must come at the expense of white people. A central metaphor for this that she uses is the draining of public pools across America. She tells the story of how public pools were drained in many communities in reaction to integration. So that nobody, black or white, could swim. Cunning political actors still seek to make what we share in common so small that they can drown it in a bathtub. They're brilliant at deploying what McKee calls strategic racism because popular stereotypes can help move unpopular ideas. At when we saw this at work when WMATA was in crisis, the 40-year-old metro system was so starved of public dollars for maintenance that it kept breaking down. Escalators broke down. You ever had to walk up one of those escalators? I have. Third rail caught on fire. Train cars broke down. Commuters got stuck. You ever been stuck? Me too. And folks were understandably frustrated. But those political manipulators who would fight against investing public dollars to fix metro began to stoke a narrative that blamed the frontline workers, 95% of whom are Black. Anonymous social media accounts blew dog whistles and called the frontline workers, you say it in your head, you know what they're saying, you guessed it, lazy, incompetent, and overpaid. These lies about the 10,000 skilled, dedicated train operators, mechanics, maintenance workers, bus drivers, started to take hold in the region, started to take hold among passengers, even some who thought of themselves as progressives. We started to hear people repeating this narrative, questioning the need to invest money in Metro if it meant that the money was gonna go in part to frontline workers. It sounded like there were many passengers who might be willing to empty the pool and let their own transit suffer and maybe even grind to a halt, leaving them stuck too, rather than let frontline workers continue to keep on having a living wage. Wynn and our sister organizations united with the Amalgamated Transit Union and launched a solidarity listening tour. Workers brought passengers to broken down escalators to show them um, what was really going on. Mechanics would say, we tell management these, they'd show these cheap and hollow parts and we tell them they're not gonna last. And then they make us install them anyway. And then the escalator breaks down again. And ma'am, then you gotta walk up. 
the rail car mechanics hosted passengers for lunch breaks in the maintenance yard. They told of the pain of keeping a metro system together with what, what felt like twine, chewing gum, and paper clips. Nothing pains a mechanic more than not having the tools and the parts to do, do the job right the first time. Through listening, passengers became clearer that their interests were not in conflict, but intertwined with the men and women of the Amalgamated Transit Union. After all, the ATU slogan is, who moves this city? We move this city. We all need Metro to move and not grind to a halt. ATU brought together the power of their 15,000 members and win and our sister organization, the power of 200 congregations. And we work to unlock what Heather McGee calls the solidarity dividend through collective action. We want historic investments in transit infrastructure while maintaining good middle-class transit jobs. So the easy steps are one, know yourself, two, show yourself, three, listen, and then act with others. The last story I will share is after Relisha Rudd was stolen, when organized along families at DC General, before we reached out to families, when leaders first had to really know themselves and figure out how to show themselves. First, they had to pinpoint their own grief, pain, and anger, and how they were acting around their own liberation. So as not to treat families at DC General who were already experiencing a stressful time, a painful time, we couldn't treat folks as objects of pity. Nobody wants to be someone's charity case. So when leaders role-played with one another, how they would engage with families and how they would show who they are and connect. And then we listened to over 100 families residing at the shelters. Part of showing yourself means showing up again and again and again. Trust is built over time. So leaders listened at the laundromats while people's clothes were drying, um, at the bus stops, they rode the bus with folks, they stood on sidewalks, and they heard concerns about moldy food, pests, and other urgent problems at the shelter. They also heard two hopeful and grand visions from families. First, that the land where DC General stood, 67 acres, should become affordable housing. Second, the DC General should be replaced with smaller, more dignified shelters spread out all around all eight wards of the district. It was moving to hear families who were in tough circumstances thinking about the families who might come behind them. They were acting in solidarity with people they didn't know yet. We heard over and over no one in the future should have to be in a place like this. And then we acted together around the vision. Families at the shelter organized their power, used their talent and lifted their voices. And so did wind leaders from every ward of the district with rallies and testimonies and get out the vote campaigns. Some of the most dramatic moments happened when NIMBY opposition groups fought the replacement shelter in ward three. 
some neighbors were spewing stereotypes and stoking fears about families who experienced homelessness. At an ANC neighborhood meeting, when leaders who were residents of Ward 3 stood up, went up to the mic, grabbed it, and then handed it to Jennifer. You can see Jennifer um, in the picture in the middle. Jennifer stood up and said, hi, you're talking about families from DC General. You might not know it, but you're talking about me. You don't know me. Let me introduce myself. Jennifer spoke for herself. And after that, Ward 3 residents backed her up by speaking for themselves about their own desire for a diverse and equitable community. And together we acted and together we won. Now the organizing continues at the 67 acre um, spot where DC General once stood. Wes, I ask you, what is the liberation you seek for yourself? What's the liberation you're seeking with others? Let's know ourselves, show ourselves, listen and act together. When we do, we can win. Amy, I wanna thank you again for sharing your knowledge and wisdom, and especially for all you do to help build the relationships that enrich our communities in our quest for a better world. And I know you'd like more partners in this joyful work. So folks, please contact Maceo Thomas who can help you get involved. And Father Gregory Boyle prompts this reflection. How can we achieve a certain kind of compassion that stands in awe of what the poor have to carry rather than stand in judgment at how they carry it. For the measure of our compassion lies not in our service of those in the margins, but in our willingness to see ourselves in kinship with them. That's what we want to achieve, this sense of mutuality where we obliterate once and for all the illusion that we are separate, not us and them, just us. After some music, we'll have a community sharing time when you can write into the chat about what resonated with you today. A framing question might help to spark a memory of a personal experience or your direct observation. If you like, you can focus your sharing on this question. How have you experienced your well-being as bound up with the well-being of people from another community? As we contemplate, rest, and reflect, let us experience the beauty of the musical response. For the weaving of our lives on the loom of joy and grace, Warp of love that holds our hearts, weft of faith we add each day. All creation hears our song, we are woven kind and strong. For the thread that each of us offers to the world's design, fabric of a thousand hues, heart and hands and soul and mind. All creation hears our prayer as
we weave a world of care for the web that binds us all gently in its tangled skein. Babies cry and prophets call strands of peace and strands of pain. Dear creation, may that we yet repair your tapestry. This is the time when we add our own voices to the morning, sharing our reflections on the platform or what resonates in our own lives. You may consider the framing question, how have you experienced your well-being as bound up with the well-being of people from another community? I invite you to share in the Zoom chat or Facebook comments if folks are watching it later. So feel free to put your reflections into the chat and I will read out a few. So Lynn says, woohoo, thanks, wild applause. Laura Steele comments on the, you know, bound up together quote, thanks, my absolute favorite quote. Shayla says, my daughter Haya and I participated in a wind door knocking event in the Langston Terrace neighborhood in November, 2019. One of the people we met was Edna Scott. She asked us if I wanted a kitten. Long story short, we ended up with a kitten and a friendship that continues to this day. That's awesome. All those connections, human and creatures and solidarity. I think you've given, Amy, you've given us so much to reflect on about what those engagements might look like and the ways that we can first know ourselves and then show ourselves and really show up to be part of this beloved community that we yearn for and take the steps that we can from our own place in that community. Lynn notes, I was raised in a den of wild nurses. Whenever I work on healthcare access, I remember that health is never a private issue. That's so true, so true. And the ways which all of the pieces of our lives really do fit together and make that mosaic of what life is like. Vincent Tyler notes, I work on the Metro and have for years. The story Amy told about it is absolutely true. Let us question what we are told. What I heard her say is seek to understand the real problem that you can work on, a real and suitable solution. Trang says, thank you, Amy. I found your platform to be so inspiring. It's a reminder that we need to show ourselves and makes me reflect on how I lead and connect with others. Susan Runner says, an amazing call to do the work. Uh, and Amy notes to Lynn, what a way to honor the people who raised you. Jeff Mehal says, what really resonated with me was Amy's description of the struggle with Lamada. I'm a big believer in public transit, but Lamada makes for some heavy lifting at times. For years, it seemed that they promulgated a dual system, bus for poor people, rail for rich people. 
I'm glad that finally, finally, WMATA will be lowering pairs and ending the bus to rail transfer fee, right? Another point of solidarity, right? I'm sure the workers would be delighted to have all people using the benefits of their hard work. And Amy says, amen, Jeff, the struggle continues. Indeed, indeed, right? All those workers providing a necessary service and one they want others to share. Well, just as we share our perspectives in the community, so too do we share our resources and gifts. Here at West, we split the Sunday collection between our operating budget and a fund dedicated to justice and compassion. We appreciate each person's generous giving as they are able. This month, half of the offering is dedicated to Life Pieces to Masterpieces. This group, Life Pieces to Masterpieces, uses artistic expression to develop character and leadership, unlock potential, and prepare African-American boys and young men to transform their lives and communities. On the slide here, you'll see the number to give by text for today's collection, which is 202-335-1885. You can also make a gift online through the donate button on our website at ethicalsociety.org or visit tiny.cc westgives. We will now receive your gifts and the musician's gift of music. Find Your Way by Nana Kwabena. Well, no surprise here that Amy's familiar with Life Pieces to Masterpieces and she comments that they're a great organization. So yeah, it's nice that our all of our work intersects and mutually supports each other. I wanna say thank you to the many people who helped to create this morning's time together. We have interim music coordinator, Leah Morris, guest musicians, the Neighborhood Spirit Choir, Ken Jansen, Nana Kwambena, and the West Chorus that we'll hear shortly. Membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, slide artist, John and Abby Deacon, and tech host, John Leica. 
and Robin Kravitz for communication support and hosting virtual coffee hour at the conclusion of platform. And thank you to those who are leading and supporting our work in the weeks to come. As always, this week has a variety of opportunities for West members and friends to connect virtually around shared interests and support meetings and discussion groups. Just this afternoon, these groups are meeting. Biology Reading Group and the Youth Cookout are both happening at one o'clock, the Earth Ethics Action Team at 1.30. And in the week ahead, here's a whole mosaic of opportunities, Global Connections on Monday, Immigration Team on Tuesday, Family Support Group on Thursday, Improv Group on Thursday, TGIF Adults Check-In on Friday. Also, please note that the Board of Trustees is meeting off its usual schedule, and so they're meeting this Wednesday at 7 p.m., and meetings are open to observers. And we hope you'll join us again next Sunday, June 20th, when Interim Leader Lynn Cox will be speaking about naming our joy. And there are a few things to look forward to in the weeks and months ahead. So right now you should save the date for August 21st, which will be a bring your own picnic in Rock Creek Park. And that date is also a great time to bring school supplies for young people in the family and friends of incarcerated people community, which is our community. And here's a key need and an opportunity for our community here at WES. As we yearn for a return to in-person gatherings for platform, we need at least five more people to join our tech team so that we can deliver on our hybrid model beginning in September. Our most ambitious schedule for this to happen is September 26th, but we can only get there if we have enough help to make it happen. So if you wanna be able to be ultimately in person and remote all together, please step forward to join the tech team. They're a great group and they will joyfully provide training. You can find the details for these and all other events on our website calendar at ethicalsociety.org. And finally, thank you for being here with us today. Now let's enjoy together our closing song of the month, Somebody Come and Play. Somebody come and play. Somebody come and play today. Somebody come and smile the smiles and sing the songs, it won't take long. Somebody come and play today. Somebody come and play. Somebody come and play. Somebody come and play my way. Somebody come and rhyme the rhymes and laugh the laughs, it won't take time. Somebody come and play today. Somebody come with me and see the pleasure in the wind. Somebody come before it gets too late to begin. Somebody come and play. Somebody Somebody come and play today. Somebody come and be my friend and watch the sun till it rains again. Somebody come and play today.
Uh, love a great boa, Julie. <laughs> and now I invite you to join me in our closing words for the month. Let us go into the week ahead with compassion, understanding, and commitment, amplifying joy and gathering in peace for our hearts and for our quest for a better world. Please join us for virtual coffee hour by pointing your browser to tiny.cc slash West Coffee Hour. You can see that on the screen um, and also find the link on the slide or in the chat. Again, it's tiny.cc slash West Coffee Hour. Once we're in the Zoom coffee hour space, we'll divide into breakout groups, which you're welcome to drift in and out of as you choose to greet different people. If you're new to our community, please send an email to our membership coordinator, Maceo Thomas, and introduce yourself. I see already connections happening right in the chat. Uh, Art and Amy and Anne, who was commenting about how powerful she's found the experience of participating in WIN activities, noting it just requires me to step out of my own constraints and timidity worth the effort indeed. So look forward to seeing many more West folks at many more win um, solidarity uh, planning and, and, and presentations, like really knowing and showing ourselves and acting together with others. So have a great week, everyone. Keep chatting in the coffee hour. So we're going to jump out of here and go over to the coffee hour and um, wish everyone a fabulous week and look forward to seeing you again next Sunday. Thanks all, take care, bye-bye. Thank you.